Thaddeus Ellenberg presents Casual Friday. Written and read by Thaddeus Ellenberg. Good evening. I'm Gene Crawford former late-night television personality and recurring telethon host. Tonight, we continue our year-long series, Ellenberg on Ellenberg, the Gene Crawford Conversations, with another memorable Thaddeus Ellenberg appearance from 1977. With each installment, we bring you special narrated insights from the master of the mundane himself courtesy of the Ethel James Foundation and the tireless folks at the Institute of Television Arts. By this time, Ellenberg had already moved into motion pictures, most notably with his cruise ships film from 1975, which won four International Academy Awards. Ineligible for the domestic Oscars due to the fact that despite an all-Anglo cast, the film was shot primarily in transboundary waters. These included Best Picture, Best Actress, Winifred Porter, Best Screenplay, and Best Score for Buster Leon. Not only a commercial success with a theatrical running time of nine and a half hours, a condition of closeness and cruise ships was lauded as a cinematic marvel and through time noted as an early slipstream masterpiece. Handled with a kind of discipline and sensitivity similar to the films of the great Walden Gray, a magician from Fort Lauderdale who self-produced a series of how-to tapes featuring a pair of hands performing card tricks with the occasional cutaway to cleavage in an evening dress. At this stage in Ellenberg's career, the cinema auteur had arrived. The Gene Crawford Show. Tonight with special guest, Thaddeus Ellenberg. And featuring Jack Wilkins and the Gene Crawford Band. Ladies and gentlemen, <coughs> Gene Crawford. <coughs> so we're just going to keep going without a break. I see. Well, I commend your pace, sir, but I don't agree with it. Miss? Really? You're sure? I, I would reconsider the mustache. How about you? What do you dangle? I have no idea what that means. Like a kind of cyborg. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Isn't that nice? Gosh, I, you know, I could have used a reception like that at last night's commemorative speech for the Coalition for Network Values. <laughs> they rushed me off stage after I misplaced my moral compass, which is a real shame. My father gave it to me. <laughs> and on, on the back, it engraved, it said, uh, Hank's Hawk Shop, East 56th Street. Listen, if we're going to continue, I'll need my scarf. The Lubay herringbone, please. Well, you're here now and 
Discard the others in that discreet wastebasket I noticed on the way in. I always plan for various moods and never wear my scars more than once. Ever since the fringe of my blue chiffon floral brum cake brushed against the table of that barbecue joint in Truxton. My lust for the fatty nectar of a succulent bird or the juicy rump of a persimmon-smoked beast remains eternally at odds with my debonair dress and decorum. Though I have to say the smoky must of my sauce-speckled beard is quite the aphrodisiac. A tangy surprise for my most shapely of sexual partners, with whom I frequently engage in week-long displays of shameless depravity considered unspeakable even behind closed doors, which we leave open to coax in likely participants with a wafting, erotic smorgasbord. In 89, I released a cologne called Le Schmaltz, an intoxicating aroma of goose fat and chestnut with spiced apples and zest. Its scent always calls to mind, an enchanting evening with Lilith Cranston and a Thanksgiving feast consumed in a fit of passion, little of which was ingested orally. Now, my guest this evening, to put it mildly, is a regular on the program. When we first met him, he was writing jokes for Dave Perry and the other various late-night standbys before appearing on the Mel Silver Show. You're welcome. (laughs) Since he's become one of the most exciting talents in the world of cinema, whose films include A Condition of Closeness and Cruise Ships, A Slow Hand in Bakersfield, Minnie and Constance, and his latest... 24 stories of macaroni and macrame. Absolutely absurd, and it's likely to cause convulsions. He's a writer, a director, an actor, an amateur dancer, and a lousy musician. He's back for another round. Won't you please welcome Thaddeus Ellenberg? This is your next clip? Really? This, this is wrong. I recall several years earlier doing a tap number with Madeline Colgate that received quite the ovation. I was never really known for my dancing. In the States. But abroad, I brought peace to many a war-torn nation with my, to the untrained eye, seemingly spastic and offbeat heavings fueled entirely by my own inner dialogue. I remember the network censor took alarming issue with my wardrobe, a silver sequin halter top with matching hot pants and a generous bulge brought on backstage by Claudia Daniels and her delightful giggle. The show's director, Fred Forrest, covered the entire routine in close-ups to block my, what was later described as, inciting knees inside Crawford's 300-page doorstop of off-camera interviews and personal letters, published in 95 to pay for his divorce to Joan Bankhead. It was, it was hampered terribly by its exclusion of my more memorable and entertaining correspondences with Crawford, particularly the one where I so eloquently broke the news of my unrelenting lust for Joan after partaking in a rejuvenating bowl of cantaloupe. That said, Thaddeus, it's great to see you. Uh, welcome back. Thank you. Yeah, it's, good to, it's good to be back. We were taking Beth before the show. Do, do you know, I don't know if you know this, but do you know how many times you've been on the show? Do you, do you, do you know which number of appearances marks? I, I'd have to check with my accountant. 
A great many, I could tell you that. This is actually your 14th time. 14th. Yeah. That doesn't seem right. I, I would check that. Well, you know, you're always an audience favorite, and we're always delighted to have you back. Thank you. Uh, how have you been? You know, we haven't spoken since before the holidays. How's anyone been, really? <laughs> With everything going on out there? It's madness. I took a mob to the studio. <laughs> Hoisted over their heads? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Did you have a nice holiday? I, you were in Michigan, right? I, I believe I read that, no? Detroit. Yeah, we, um, we had a pretty far out time. Nancy and I abstained from the festivities this year, and instead, uh, well, this year we, we, we gave back. Oh, that was kind of you. Yes, it was. <laughs> what, what did you do? Did you, you donate gifts or help with, like, meals? No, we organized a bed-in with Peter Fafford. Bed-in? That's right, Gene. Oh, to give back. Exactly. Thank you. Now, for those at home, particularly some of our younger viewers, they, they might be scratching their heads. This is, uh, well, a kind of derived of sit-ins. I'm sure we're all familiar with those. A sort of a, a peaceful protest? That's correct, Gene. Can you get out of bed? <laughs> is, that, is that allowed, or is, is that in line with uh, bed-in etiquette? You can, but you can't touch the carpet. Fascinating. Huh. Oh, uh, there, there, there's a, there's an ashtray right there. I'm, I'm fine on the table. I'd like to respond to this segment by speaking directly to the audience. Is, is that all right? What about with you, Whiskers? Splendid. Good evening and welcome, Thaddeus Sellenberg here, and thank you for purchasing this exclusive in-home look into my life and work a career spent exploring the depths of my tortured and sometimes tranquil existence, say in a bath or in the divine acoustics of my winery's tasting hall. What? They didn't. Public broadcast? Well, that's just stealing. In that case, your donations are greatly appreciated. I'll be commenting on this exchange with Gene Crawford by reading a brief excerpt from Me and the Genius, one of my many memoirs. I just so happen to have a copy as I carry with me all of my memoirs in a milk crate with wheels. <clears throat> I was criticized by my peers for being late to the anti-war movement. Not publicly, but you could sense it. At parties and quiz show appearances. I was never really one for trends, but when I stopped receiving free products for unsolicited on-air plugs, I had to act. So we sealed ourselves off from the public, Nancy and myself, along with our friends, playwright Peter Faffer and his then-nanny lover, Yuki Sato, the performance artist. We spent 23 days inside the Wheeler House, Detroit's premier bed and breakfast, then sold tickets to the media. 10000 a pop for a soft hour. Peter had just closed on New York 76, and to much fanfare, while Yuki was promoting her new record, The Whales of Progress, a four-hour single track of construction sounds pressed into six double-sided LPs. We interviewed with journalists from American Fancy, Gregory Fulton and Keith Hillerman, meditated for hours on end, methods which included finger painting and stream-of-consciousness charades, 
and sang love and protest songs with John Logan, the bohemian songwriter, Constable Marley's Midlife Parade, Pack Your Bags Old Dog, Bobby's All Grown Up, The Tragedy of Terrence Lightheart on Thunderhead Ridge, Logan's iconic ballad of the folk accordionist, singing about two neighbors feuding over the name of an old ditty they knew when they were young. This was, of course, before Logan's scandalous on American bout with the controversial Russian singer Irina Mironov in the 1980s. Papers and the public alike condemned her for unpopular remarks made in favor of workers' rights, delivered with great candor while performing outside the Republican National Convention. But what of the work? Our minds were the canvas, the bed our studio, and the floor hot lava. Sadly, to our dismay, the inn's proprietor was exceedingly unsympathetic to our cause, and during our stay proceeded to build a large deck in the backyard despite our efforts. Day and night, the hammering held firmly, but we protested with animalistic orgies commencing just after curfew. Innocent promotions of love and a celebration of communal ecstasy. Alas, they dispatched the local dog catcher to round us up. And after several hours of convincing, due chiefly to our overgrown and unkempt beards, as well as our immaculate cascade of rich, fleece-like hair upon our chests, as was the aesthetic norm established by my more fresh-faced Hollywood contemporaries, alongside the creation of outdoor swimming, we were eventually released from their catch poles. We reenacted the affair in one of the many 16-millimeter shorts we shot throughout our peaceful Occupy, or Appeal. Films I later compiled into an anthology called Through the Crystal Door, Films of Revolution and Four Post Prostration. It was immensely popular, but unfortunately had a very limited run, as I single-handedly financed the distribution. Years later, it came to my knowledge that at the time, a print was circulating the scene, showing up in coastal art house theaters, bowling alley twin plexes, stag parties, and private collections. We spent the remaining days under heavy sedation, brought on by 400 milligrams of doxymorphitol, compounded with rare Chinese roots and the powdered testicles of an endangered tree rodent, taken to maintain our erections. Should I, would you like me to keep reading? There's only 200 pages left in this chapter. Let me check the thumbs on this one. <laughs> I may need a new travel agent. <laughs> well, you know, it really, um, you know, it really frees your mind. You know, just getting away from everything like that and just separating yourself from society. We tipped the chambermaid generously with a uh, paper mache lay Yuki constructed from the pages of an old, uh, I don't know, I think it was Pioneer Women we found in the bathroom. They ever make you read that growing up? Oh, I'm, I'm sure. In fact, uh, that was my introduction to the monthlies. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, I want to talk about your new film, but I, I, I want to ask you because we're used to seeing you do comedic films, farces, you know, if you will, until Brooklyn Paperback. Thank you. You know, that was the um, that was the first time I set out to make the laughs come second. Right, right. But th there was still a, you know, a comedic note, almost mm -hmm. tongue-in-cheek. It, it's, it's lampooning, but the reference isn't always clear. Yet it's still creating something completely unique. 
is what I'm what I'm trying to say. Uh, like a mosaic. A bit, a bit, yeah, yeah. Adorning a wall you never noticed, on a route you take every day. There it is. <laughs> but then you have these epic five-act ensembles with everybody in town, like cruise ships, and summers in Topeka, melodramas, you could say. <sighs> yeah, my uh, my labors, my uh, my joy. Wind chimes in winter. Thank you. Interesting fact about wind chimes. Every horse used in the production was killed during filming. Isn't that interesting? Uh, is that something you enjoy? The film was released in 11 languages. I recorded all of them. I couldn't leave my cinematic integrity to chance. Ni hao, shin shin. What I mean is, do you like making films that take place over five or more decades? <laughs> do you like to spend that kind of time with your characters? Well, now you see, Gene. Oh, oh, listen, listen, listen here. This, this, this is good. Can I get a, can I get a light? Sure. Uh, Jack, can can we get? Yeah, here. Yeah, there we go. We have, uh, we have the dash of a fifty-seven Callahan Seabreeze just off camera. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You um. You don't smoke, do you? Oh no no. I, I, I can't. I mean, it's my lungs. I, I, I rent them. <laughs> it's cute. Well, it's a long show. Never mind, this isn't what I thought it was. Skip ahead to my November sweeps appearance with that Muppet with the shag mammaries. And Dolores. Where's Dolores? Dolores? Dolores, can I... Can, dear, can I get a hot toddy? More toddy than hot. Thank you. See, Gene, to answer your question... Um, as far as I know, we, we only get one go at this. You know, I'm open to other views on the matter, but I'm still hip to the current laws of nature. You understand? And I dig what people decide to do with their allotted time. Allotted. Again, debatable. Choices made in chaos, so to speak. Luck, a leg up, whatever. Therefore, as a storyteller, I often find myself compelled by the full scope of a, uh, you know, of, a, of an existence. So I revel in painting a character's complete arc, narratively and visually. The march, if you will. Lives of equal triumph and defeat, rags and riches interwoven. A character ever-evolving, convictions crumbling with time, that festering cynicism, corruption, the gentle hand of love and the adoption of views once opposed, acceptances against interests. This, um... This check, this continual conversation, the, the veil of growth and decline, rooted in a period, a region, a persuasion, that is storytelling. And the visualization of this struggle, this firmly held belief in ourselves and the knowledge of who we are at a given time, conveyed, if only momentarily, through the placement of a camera, the choice of a lens, the mise-en-scene, cinematically speaking. It's about capturing a character, ourselves. They're interchangeable. Capturing the character, losing themselves. And it's that connection with the audience, that, that cerebral thump on the noggin, that uh, emotional wallop to the chest, that beat, that all-important insert that swells your throat and makes you gasp for air like a fish out of water with the weight of our shared condition. And that is cinema.
You know, in all our years doing this program, I, I, I can't recall a single other time when a guest has received a, a standing ovation in the middle of the show. <laughs> you articulate everything so romantically. We know that. But it's also wonderful, wonderfully euphonious, your language. That's your signature, which is something I know for myself I really enjoy about your, your films. Something I really enjoy about your films? God, the arrogance of that man. Never exhibited a, a notion of modesty. And for what? How Gene Crawford rose to any level of acclaim is astounding. You know, we haven't spoken in 20 years. Not, uh, not since I moved out of his Sembrea Hills guest house, where I spent 36 months plus two and a half years editing Rainscapes at Night, a momentous undertaking. An obsession, really. I toiled over rainscapes, making three-fourths of an edit a day. I became a bit of a recluse. I lived and breathed the cut. I laid with the assembly each night, entangled in its brilliance, coiling frame after frame after frame around myself. A love affair in seven reels. Crestfallen, it was taken from me by the financers, the Guyanese government who got on board and picked up the tab following my adventurous hiatus mining deep in the jungle. Is, is that what all this is for? <laughs> Crawford? Did that two-bit scallywag put you all up to this? Where is he? In another room? Can he hear me? Gene? Gene, you old goat, get your butt out here. Well, go ahead, bring him out. This is a long time coming. I'll need a re-up of powder, too. And I, I, I don't know about this background, though. I, let, let's get some back projection in here. Something vast, like a, like a scorched prairie to symbolize distance in our marred relationship. What are you working on now? Are, are you writing? Gene, I'm always writing. <laughs> a film? <sighs> the big one. Yeah, the one they'll all remember. Your next one. History will write at my greatest. Can you, can you share the title? It's called 70 Rings from the Bark. 70 Rings from the Bark. It's marvelous. It tells the story of an aging director in reverse, you see. While making his final film, we shave down the years and tell his story, which of course rivals the one he's making. I don't know about you guys, but uh, that still gives me goose pimples. Mm. And that's, that's when you know something's bigger than you, than your imagination. It's no longer yours. I tell you, in the final shot, when we see his pregnant mother with her hand to her belly, watching his father plant the little tree in the front yard. Remember? Remember the shot? Remember the scene? Yeah, yeah, you remember. Oh, my masterpiece. I mean, I, I made a lot of films in my day, but none as good as that one. Was that powerful? Let's go again for safety. I, you know, I, I, I really want to nail this. And we're, and we're still waiting on that toddy, Dolores. Dolores? Where's Dolores? It's difficult to conceive all the pictures you've made in a relatively short period of time. I could have made one less if I wanted to. Really? The, the, the compulsion is that strong? Oh, tremendous. Tremendous. Like I said, life... Um, life is a kind of ride. There's no telling how long it will last or what kind of dips and dives it will have. So enjoy it and be thankful you got a seat. The only difference with me is I have to ride all the rides. Mmm, yeah, thank you, sweetheart. 
You're doing first-class work, incidentally. A little heavy on the honey. What was that? I know this is a studio and not a bar. How dare you? Who are you? Who are any of you? I, I retract my earlier compliment. Your work is not first class. It is a, it is a much lower class. Something, something suitable for steerage. I don't care if my levels are spiking. What are levels anyway? An excuse for your mediocrity. Levels. That sounds made up. Oh, my gosh. You know, how good are you at sticking around? We have to step away for a second, but I, I want to talk about macaroni and macrame. Gene, for you, I'd, I'd be delighted. Where's the man in charge? I demand to speak to him. This entire operation has been loosey-goosey from the word go. Not once have I felt anything less than total contemptibility from the moment we started rolling camera. Which are of such insignificance, I, I don't even know where they are. I'm serious, show me. Someone, please, for the love of God, point to a goddamn camera. <coughs> look, look, I've, <coughs> I've flustered myself. I've flustered myself to the point I must now drink this piping fecal sludge. Oh, God. That sentiment is spot on, though. Mm, that is, damn, that is tasty. Oh, well, we'll have more with Mr. Ellenberg after this message by our local station. This has been a production of Thaddeus Ellenberg's Casual Friday. Written and read by Thaddeus Ellenberg. With an introduction by Nicole Kalasich. And artwork by Adrian Lobel. This series is independently produced by Thaddeus Ellenberg. To find more episodes and information, visit our website at tecasualfriday.com or email us at contact.casualfriday at gmail.com.